0: Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned. And done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner, when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar.
1: church I'm standing in the middle of a river right now out here at Franklin Falls and I know you're wondering what am I doing in the middle of a river well, you know we've been talking about orientation and disorientation last week we're, we were in a apple orchard and it was orientation because it was a place where things was calm and well and now I'm standing in a river And this is an image of disorientation. There's things happening in this river. There's the sounds of the water rushing against the rocks and there are logs around us, which is disorientation. It can disorient us when we hear the sounds and see the things around us. But one thing's for sure, we can trust in the orienting nature of who God is. A few years ago, my wife and I went to a restaurant and uh, we were spending some some quiet time together and we went to a restaurant just to enjoy one another's company. It was a late Sunday evening as we were sitting there in the restaurant, this blue-eyed, blonde-haired woman came to our table and said, "Uh, do you mind if I sit with you? And uh, we said, sure have a seat. It was kind of an awkward situation because we we didn't know her. And as we were sitting there, uh, she began to share a little bit of her story. And she asked me and my wife, you know, what do we do? My wife told her that I was a pastor and immediately she looked up to heaven and said, Lord, are you messing with me? And we didn't know what she was referring to. But then she began to share her story that she grew up in a Christian home, that she went to a Christian college. And somehow along the way, she, she lost her way to God. And she got into a lot of mischief and a lot of situations that she didn't want to be involved in. And she looked at that situation as sitting there with us as God messing with her because she realized that she had strayed away from God. And as we began to share the gospel with her and told her that God was giving her, give her a second chance, that God is a God of many chances, and she began to cry and we prayed with her. and told her that God can forgive anybody, that there's no one beyond the scope of God's grace. The question comes today, is God messing with you. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what God is, what track God has you on, but the question comes, is God messing with you? And the question also we want to ask is, why does God mess with us? Well, I think David has some answers for us in Psalm 51. David is also a man who is considered to be a man after God's own heart. And in Psalm 51, we see a man who uh, confesses his sins to God and wants to come queen with God. But the setting of David's story is located in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, it says at the time when kings go out to war, David was on his balcony looking out over the kingdom and he began to look out and he saw a woman who was very attractive and david kept looking kept looking and really david was at the wrong place at the wrong time he should have been with uh his army out in battle but there he was uh, out in the open looking at another woman the lust of the eye And and one thing led to another. David found himself committing adultery. And Psalm 51 tells the story of how God brought David back to himself. David committed adultery and he covered up the sin and he covered up another sin. And before you knew it, David had digressed and God had to send somebody David's way. by by the name of Nathan the prophet and Nathan confronted David and it was there that David repented and came clean with God and so in Psalm 51 we find David confessing his sins and we find also that God loved David so much that he, he began to mess with David and David has some answers for us today because if God's messing with you it's It's not to judge you, but it's to restore you. So let's look at Psalm 51 verses one and two. reads as follows. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. One of the things we see in David's story here and what David's confession, it is a prayer. And this is a, a penitent psalm, this is a psalm that that we would call an individual lament. David is, is lamenting. He's expressing that he wants God to forgive him. But David appeals to God and he asks God to have mercy on him. This text tells us something about the character of God. The God is a merciful God, the God's love. It's not based on how we behave, but God has unconditional love for each and every one of us. One of the things we see in David's story is that we can't cover up our mess, that there's nothing that we can do to hide from God. God is an all-seeing God. He's an all-wise God. He's an all-knowing God. We can't cover up sin from God because he sees everything and he knows everything. David appeals to God and he says, "'Lord, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love.'" This word steadfast love comes from the Hebrew word heset. And it means that God has a steady, consistent, unfailing love for each and every one of his children that God's love never fails so David appeals to the unfailing love of God and he says according to your abundant mercy God have mercy on me so David realized that he he could not cover up his mess David realized that the fact that he had committed adultery, that he had digressed into a sinful state that only God could get him out of the mess that he's in. And here's the thing, brothers and sisters, there are three ways that God tries to get to us. Sometimes God uh, tries to reach us through his word, but if we're not reading the word, God says, well, I can't get to you through your word, through my word, because you're not reading your my word on a daily basis. And sometimes God tries to get to us through circumstances. He tries to speak to us through circumstances, but sometimes that's not the best way. God says, well, I, I can't reach David through circumstances. He's not listening to me. And so what God does in David's life is he sends a prophet by the name of Nathan, and Nathan is the one that God uses as an instrument to confront David in his sin. But here's the thing I want us to understand, that this is an act of grace, that God will send a prophet by the name of Nathan to reach out to David and to confront him in his sin. Now, I don't know where you are today, sometimes God tries to reach us through His Word, but if we're not opening up the Word on a daily basis, then God says, well, I can't speak to him or her through that. Then sometimes God says, well, I'm going to arrange some circumstances to draw him or her closer to me. And then we we don't listen to God. We, we don't hear God through the circumstances. And sometimes God sends a person our way and says, I've got to reach him, I've got to reach her to let them know that they are drifting far away from me. So I, I don't know where you are today, but I want you to understand today that God loves you so much that he's willing to, to take every means necessary to draw you closer to himself and to confront your mess. You see, life can get kind of messy sometimes. It can get messy when we grip far away from God. And the things that we know about God and what Dr. Walter, Walter Bruegelman calls orientation, that we know that God is all-knowing. We know that God is an all-wise God, that He's an all-seeing God. We, we know certain things about God and we know that God loves us, but then there is the season of disorientation. And sometimes the disorientation comes from our inner person when we drift further away from God. Sometimes the seasons of disorientation comes from outside of us. God allows us to go through circumstances, not to discourage us, but to shape us and to make us into a better version of ourselves. So I don't know what season of disorientation that you're in, but I want you to understand that even though your outward circumstances may dictate to you in certain ways that God doesn't hear you, that God doesn't see you, that God is far away from you, but I want you to know that God's unfailing love is always there, even though when we feel like God's not there, He's always there. So even as I stand in this river today and I hear the water passing by me, It could be disorienting when we hear those noises and the outside noises in our lives. But I want you to know that God is a God who sits high and looks low, and his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we have to trust in the heart of God, even though we can't always see his hands. This is what David, is going through in this psalm, David had drifted further and far, further away from God. And David didn't realize that, that the God that he served, that he's an all-seeing God. Somehow David was suffering from a case of amnesia, that he had forgotten how good God was. He had forgotten that God is all-knowing. And sometimes brothers and sisters, Uh, We create our own world and it seems as though sometimes we we want everything to rotate around us. We create our own orbit and we we tend to think that everything revolves around us. People revolve around us to meet our needs. Uh, Everything revolves around us, but God wants us to know that He is the God who sits high and looks low that he's the one that governs the affairs of man. Somehow, David lost sight of that. But God's unfailing love, God's essence, draws David back closer to himself. You know, sometimes it's, we don't talk about sin anymore. We tend to belittle sin, but sin is whatever it is that separates us from God an act, a thought, a behavior that separates us from God. And when we read the Bible, especially when we read Psalms, there is no gray area in David's life. David says that either there's evil or there's good. There's no in between in David's theology. There's no middle ground. And so as David begins to process how he wandered from God, as he begins to process what happened uh, in his life and how he got away from God, David says, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Listen to these words, blot out wash me, cleanse me. David realized that only God could blot out his transgressions. He realized that only God could wash him. He realized that only God could cleanse him. So he uses these words of wanting to come clean with God because we as, as believers, as finite creatures, we can't wash ourselves. When it comes to sin, we can't clean ourselves and we can't cleanse ourselves. The work of cleansing us from sin is a God job. You know, sometimes God has to do the dirty jobs in our lives. We can't clean ourselves. God has to do that dirty job of cleaning what's in the heart. David has what I would call a a heart problem. He has allowed sin to infest his heart. He has allowed a space that only God should take up. He has allowed sin to infest his heart. And so God has to do a work in David's heart, just like he has to do a work in our hearts. God is the only one that can perform that open heart surgery that surgery that only he can do as he works within us and cleans us. And so David understood this, Lord, blot out my transgressions. Transgressions refers to our acts of rebellion, our acts of rebellion. Then he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. That word iniquity, iniquity refers to the waywardness of humanity that we are prone to wander away from God. And God is the only one that can draw us back to himself. So I love these words that David uses because he's really expressing his utter dependence on God. He says, God, I can't do this. Lord, I need your help to cleanse me. I have wandered so far away from you, my heart, feel so far away from you, God. I need you to cleanse me and wash me, and I need you to blot out my transgressions. And so here's the thing: don't don't cover up your mess. Whatever situation you're in, because life can get very messy, it can get messy in the context of marriage, it can get messy in the context of your job, it can get messy personally in your own life, where there are things going on in your life that only you and God know. You may hide it from friends, you may hide it from family, you may hide it from your spouse, you may hide it from everybody, but there's one person who knows what you're trying to hide, and that is God. And that's what the situation was about David. David thought he had covered everything, covered all of his spaces, God says, David, I know what you've done, and I'm going to send somebody your way by the name of Nathan, who's going to call you out. And you know, all of us need those kind of people who are going to confront us, who are going to call us out, who are going to hold us accountable. As Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. And Nathan could have been afraid of David, but because he was a true prophet, he confronted David in his sin. And so I want you to understand today that God's loving kindness, his hesit, his unfailing love is always there to draw you back in. second thing we see in this text and how David interacts with God and comes clean with God is that David is a man that is very much in touch with his emotions. David understands what it's like to feel joy, what it's like to feel pain. But in this text, we feel David experiencing deep remorse and grief. It's clear when we read Psalm 51 that God said himself that David is a man after God's own heart. It's clear in this text that David loves the things that God loves and he hates the things that God hates. And he's concerned about the things that God is concerned about. And so as David comes clean with God, He says these words in verse three, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. And David says in verse five, indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner, when my mother conceived me. So in David's mind, he wants to set the record straight. He understands that concept of original sin, that sin is passed down to him, but he's fessing up. He's coming clean with God. He said, Lord, even, in my mother's womb I was born into iniquity. David says, I can't I can't blame this on my mother, I can't blame this on anyone else. I was led astray by my own heart, by my own decision decisions. And he says, My transgressions and my sins are forever before me. So even though David realizes that he sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah, but ultimately he sinned against God, sinned against God. And David wants that relationship that he has with God to be restored. But here's the thing about God is that when we come to God, we we can't come to God on our own terms. We have to come to God on his terms. And this is, what David had to understand because David is in a covenant relationship with God. The very fact that David is a king and that he's king over Israel is indicative of the fact that he is in a covenant relationship with God. This is not a ritualistic thing that David has with God. He has a close relationship with God as a king and as a prophet. And so here, David says, Lord, you are justified in your sentence. He looks at God as a judge. He looks at God as a lawyer. And he said, look, Lord, you are right. I am guilty, and I fess up to what I've done in your sight and in your sight only. David teaches us that if we're going to come clean with God, we've got to come clean with God on his terms. We have to ask God to for forgiveness. We have to repent. Repent means turning over a new leaf, going in the other direction. As we turn away from God, God wants us to turn toward him. In verse six, Lord, you desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. David recognizes the fact that only God could clean him up. He recognizes the fact that God desires truth in the inward part. God wants to do a work in David's heart, in David's spirit, and he wants to clean him up. And God also wants to do a work in our hearts. Because sin is a very sneaky thing. Sin is, is like a, a tire that experiences a slow leak. That when secret sin is kept from, is, is held secret, no one knows about it. You know, you just drive your car and you begin to realize that by the time you get to your destination, you're, tire has gotten closer and closer to the ground. And that's how sin is. We ignore sin and it's like a slow leak. The air comes out very slowly and we discover that we have digressed in our relationship with God. This is what has happened in David's life. This is what happens in our life. If sin goes unchecked, it has damaging effects on, not only on our relationship with God, but our relationship with significant others when we ignore sin and the damage that sin makes in our lives. And so David says, Lord, you desire truth in the inward being, Lord, you're not concerned about the outward expressions, you're not concerned about ritualistic things, you want us to be rightly related to you, Lord. This is what David is saying about God. He says, therefore, Lord, you teach me wisdom in my secret heart. And so that's where, you know, many times God knows what's going on in us, but he wants us to speak it. He wants us to own it. He wants us to confess it. He wants us to come clean with him. Think 1 John 1, 9, points to the reality of this, that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. David uses this imagery, Lord, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. This imagery that David uses is is the same imagery that's used in David's time where they would take hyssop to cleanse materials, to cleanse clothes. And this hyssop was a very important has a very important cleansing agent that it would cleanse a person. He said, just like this hyssop, Lord, I want you to do a work in my heart that I might be wider than snow. The other thing we see in David's life is that he He wants that joy that he once had when he was rightly related to God, when he had a relationship with God. So he says in verse eight, Lord, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. That's the thing about sin. Sometimes when we digress in our relationship with God, we lose a sense of joy we lose a sense of gladness. When we are closer to sin than we are to God, we begin to lose our sense of of joy because sin separates us from God. God is the source of our joy. He's the source of our gladness. And as long as we entertain sin, as long as we get entangled in sin, we lose our sense of joy, we lose our sense of gladness. David realized that he is so far away from God right now that he doesn't have that joy anymore. He doesn't have that gladness, but he so longs to have that joy and gladness once again. And see, here's the thing about David. David understands that he has a heart problem and that God is the only one that can cleanse his heart so he goes on to say, and this is the key verse throughout this whole section. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. There's three things I want us to notice here. And these are things that only God can do for David. David says, now that I've I've confessed my mess, dear God. And now, Lord, I want you to replace that inner mess in me with something new. See, when there's inner mess within us, David says, Lord, I want you to create something new within me. So he says, create in me a clean heart. He realized that his heart is contaminated. So, Lord, create in me a clean heart, oh God. And then he says, put a new and right spirit within me. He says, Lord, my, my spirit right now is not right. I, I need to recenter myself in you. And the, the same word that, that David used here in the word for the word create is the same word that's used in Genesis 1 and Genesis 1:1 1, 1, that God created the heavens and the earth. This this word create means that God can create something out of nothing, that God can create something new. And so he says to him, put a new and right spirit within me and do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. David realized this is the only thing that God can do and God wants to replace that inner mess that's within you with something new. He wants to give you a new perspective. He wants to give you a new outlook. He wants to give you a new hope. He wants to recenter you back into who you were created to be. He wants you to be the best best version of yourself. God wants to do something new in you. And this is what Paul talks about when he says, if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become me. God wants to replace the inner mess that's in your life. And he wants to do a new thing. He wants to give you a new heart. He wants to give you a new perspective. He wants you to be a new creation. David invites us to understand that there's no one beyond the scope of God's grace and I know you may be wondering today well Aaron you don't understand what I've been through you don't understand things that I've gotten involved in that's okay God's grace is sufficient for that and that his mercies are new every morning David will tell you today that God's grace is sufficient even in our weakest moments God is able to extend his loving kindness his hesit. His grace toward us. One of the things that David says after God forgives him and he reestablishes his relationship with God, God wants to restore you. He doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to restore you. But David says after God has done all of this work in our lives, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain within me a willing spirit David says I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you and oh Lord open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise David says after the Lord has done all of that work I just can't keep it to myself I've got to teach transgressors your way God David says I'm going to do the work of an evangelist, and I want everyone to know what God has done in me and through me, that he can do it to someone else. You might be right there today. You might be right between a rock and a hard place, but I want you to know as we stand here, right here at Franklin Falls, and we feel the power of this great waterfall coming down, This is what God's grace is like. God wants to pour His grace upon you. And when God washes you, when God cleans you, when God purges you, you've been washed, you've been cleansed, you've been made anew. I want you to know, you stand here today, God wants to extend His grace to you. And, you don't know Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for your sins that you might have the right to the tree of life. You don't know Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that Jesus has been drawing you to himself for quite some time. And he wants you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. So I want to extend the invitation to you to make Jesus your choice today. I want you to understand today that it will be the greatest decision that you could ever make. If you're listening to me, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And repeat after me, Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the awesome sacrifice he paid for me on Calvary. Lord, I ask that you will forgive me for my sins. And I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The awesome penalty that he paid for me on Calvary. Lord, I thank you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. you prayed that prayer with me today, there's a website at the bottom of the screen that says upc.org slash Jesus. I want you to click on that website and follow it because we want to walk with you on this journey. You need to be covered. In the grace of God, you need a church family, and you need someone to walk with you because it takes a church to raise a Christian. The University of Presbyterian Church is that kind of church that is committed to raising mature followers of Jesus Christ. So we we rejoice with you if you make the decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Amen.